0: Hey
1: everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Dance Floor podcast where we look at everything outside of the moves and the competitions and try to dive a little bit deeper. It's about history, mentality, and connecting the dots between the dance and the other aspects of our lives. Today we talk with the Nostalgia King, aka DJ Scheme Richards, out of Philadelphia, USA. A world-renowned DJ, music lover, vintage toy collector, burger and beer connoisseur, Scheme Richards has his hands in a lot of different areas, and that's one of the things that makes him so interesting. A purveyor of music, art, and culture, Scheme was one of the people that really helped promote understanding history and where things come from and with breaking and hip-hop, that means parties. It was great catching up with him and we got into all kinds of things. We talk about Philly history and its deep roots in hip-hop and in particular its roots in graffiti, how he got into collecting, diverse interests and how it can help you creatively, his love of Japan and dedicating yourself completely to something, understanding and respecting history and where things come from and more. One of the more interesting people in the hip-hop community and someone who I always learn from every time he speaks, Thanks to Scheme Richards for sharing his knowledge and experience, and I hope you all enjoy the talk. Peace. All right, we're here with Scheme Richards, the Nostalgia King. It's been a while since we've talked, and it's really—I'm really glad to have you here and uh, share your wealth of experience and, you know, just a lot of your ways of thinking, your mentality about hip hop, DJing, a lot of different things. And uh, hopefully we can get into all kinds of things. So happy to yeah. have you here.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, uh, it's been a long time coming, mm-hmm. you know, congrats on the podcast and, mm-hmm. and you know doing what you do. I, I feel like that's so important to get people stories and just like communication and, and connect and build with people, yeah. um, you know, because like people aren't writing books as much as, you know, because before we had like books, we had radio shows with interviews and now I feel like the podcast like, it's just so important that things like this are documented. So, yeah. yeah, I'm honored to be on.
1: Yeah. And that's a huge part of, like, why I even wanted to do this is just to, regardless of whether people listen to it or not, it's just there. There's a record of it, and, and people can find it if they want to find it. Yeah. And hopefully, I, you know, lots of people can listen
2: yeah. to it. Well, I mean, and there's so many stories that need to be told. Like, yeah. I'm looking oh. at so many artists now who – were healthy and all of a sudden passed away. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, we didn't hear this stories. You know, like no one interviewed that person yet. That Mm -hmm. person is a goldmine and a wealth of knowledge and and information on history of like, you know, whether they're an actor or movie director, you know, a a DJ, musician, like there's so many stories that haven't been told because they never got interviewed or they were healthy and working on doing a documentary on themselves and then like passed away. And, you know, there's a lot of just people passing away too quick. So yeah, definitely important to to get stories out and, and kind of history out of, about people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also a good way to just like connect with people, either just one-on-one connection, but just having other people feel like, you know, hey, they're they're involved in this conversation or they're involved in whatever, you know, things that we're talking about and that kind
2: of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So maybe just get started for anyone who doesn't know who you are. Do you mind just doing a little background on on just who you are?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, Scheme Richards, a.k.a. The Nostalgia King um, from Philadelphia, PA. Um, Born and raised. I've been, I'm a DJ, producer. Uh, I've been DJing all my life. I started in 1981. Um, I'm a a lover of culture. Uh, World traveler, DJing. uh, Burger connoisseur, ramen connoisseur, (laughs) beer connoisseur. Um, you know, and just a, a lover of life and music, art, and culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things that uh, maybe a lot of people like about you, and why why they follow what you do is, you know, you're not just boxing yourself into like I'm a DJ or I'm a whatever. Like you're into you dabble into all kinds of different things, and I really respect that.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where as a kid, I just had multiple interests. I had comic books, I had riding BMX bikes, I had, you know, Kung Fu flicks, I used to take Taekwondo classes, Um, you know, it was just so many different, you know, interests. And as an adult, those interests still stuck with me, which is one of the reasons why I feel like it's still keeping me like very youthful, Mm -hmm. you know, and that youthful spirit. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just who I am. And, you know, what's kept me who i am today you know like like i'm very otaku (laughs) you know (laughs) so it's just keeping those things around me to keep me feeling young and you know at i'll be 50 this year uh in october for real yeah and i feel 18 you know
1: yeah i i can't tell anymore with i don't know i feel like just the general i don't know human race is like Looking younger and younger every day. Yeah, every or every whatever.
2: That's I guess that's a thing of, you know, the least amount of stress in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, and just like stress, stress is the killer of everyone. You know, the the day to day stress of weighing in on you, Mm -hmm. that's the killer of everyone. So for me, like I have no stress in life, or I have very minimal stress in life, and I just I enjoy life. I, I enjoy those things. I enjoy music, art culture burgers ramen beer and you know good people good humans
1: yeah 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 Yeah, it makes sense that you would be into yeah like djing parties and things like that and just enjoying things yeah yeah um yeah one of the things i was just kind of interested in and wanted you to just to get your maybe your personal perspective on it is like just a bit of Philadelphia history, like Philadelphia, hip hop history, DJ history, graffiti, whatever. I know it has like uh, deep roots in graffiti, like
2: very much. Uh, very yeah. deep.
1: Yeah. So if you, yeah, if you don't mind, you can, whatever yeah. you know, whatever you can share.
2: Yeah. Well, Philly uh, is considered and has always been considered the second city of hip hop. Uh, being an hour and a half away from New York, a lot of what was going on in New York was going on in Philly at the same time. Hmm. You know, we have family back and forth, traveling back and forth to New York, to Philly um, for, you know, different occasions, summertime or holidays or, you know, just to go to parties. I remember driving in the late 80s, early 90s, just driving to New York three times a week to go to parties, you know. So Philly has been is considered the second city of hip hop. Um, but it is the actual first city. Of graffiti, it's the home of graffiti you know, starting with uh, legendary graffiti artist Cornbread. Um, And, you know, Cornbread is Cornbread to Philly is what like. Cool Herc is to New York as the DJ. things, Right. Right. Um, So Philly has always been doing the the hip hop thing before it was called hip hop. Right. So we had uh, we had um, Cornbread is a graffiti writer. We didn't. We didn't really know who Cool Herc was in Philly, or we had our own version of Cool Herc, was which was a guy named Captain Boogie, and Captain Boogie was the guy who would bring the sound systems out into the park. So that was, you know, our version of what that because we always mm-hmm. had DJs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, hip hop has always been here. It's it's always been graffiti, DJing. Of course, emceeing started in New York, you know. But like I said, we were traveling to New York. New York was traveling here, so we was getting that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, b-boying started in New York and trickled down to Philly. We had our own dance; it was similar to b-boying, similar to top rocking. It was called mm-hmm. stepping, mm-hmm. and it was more so top rock. And you would hit the floor, but you wouldn't really stay on the floor. Right. It was more like you know, it was more up top, but you would hit the floor every once in a while, and then you would come back up. Um, you know, and then just musically, Philadelphia International Records, we made disco extravagant we made disco disco music with with uh Gamble and huff legendary producers Gamble and huff who owned philadelphia international records we made disco more so like soulful is our is what we brought to, to disco we made it soulful hmm. um and that's because philly was a very soulful city you know it was a very 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 soulful black city so yeah it's philly has just so many roots in music and culture and then once we get once we get back to hip-hop and we start talking about djing mm-hmm. legendary djs i mean we created a transformer scratch we were the reason why djs turn the turntables to the side you know all of those things started in philly mm-hmm. you know so yeah it's just growing up in philly was just it was a, an amazing thing and just seeing so much of the beginnings of everything starting mm-hmm. you know it was an amazing time that 70s 80s you know, going well into the '90s was just an amazing time,
1: right? On yeah, and how's how's the scene now these days? Like, what's going on now?
2: Um, I feel like the scene these days, in general, in America, mm-hmm. is not what it once was. It's it's changed. Um, just because
1: and when the when you say scene, is this like DJ scene, hip hop scene?
2: I, I'm I'm gonna connect them all. I like okay. You know, with the DJ scene will always be the DJ scene. You know, you'll always have hip hop parties, funk soul nights, disco nights. Um, In America, in Philly, our our disco nights are are amazing. Our funk soul nights aren't as amazing as they should be, considering this is a very black city, a very Mm -hmm. cultural city. Um, Our B-boy scene is actually like rising again, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah for a while it was on a decline and now it's rising again but i feel like that's that's coming with breaking becoming so commercial now and so popular in olympics and hmm. and it's just becoming more like people trying to focus on it more and more because it's becoming more of a business aspect hmm. so that's on the rise you know but philly always still had raw underground b boys that never cared about you know right that you know it was let's go to the jam let's smoke these cats and that's it you know we still have that rawness where they don't care about traveling they're just trying to smoke anybody that comes to Philly (laughs) and anybody that's leaving Philly they're smoking you know which is I I respect that you know the graffiti scene will always be hardcore in Philly it will be Mm. always hardcore because you still have you still got guys who are 60 years old that was out bombing when I was a kid (laughs) <laughs> still going out every once in a while and then you'll see their tag somewhere and you'll be like oh man dude still getting up yeah you know? so that's that's it's amazing you know
1: who, who but, are uh, some of the some of the people like the graffiti names
2: so like as far as the writers like th- some of the legendary guys is like um uh sn uh rx um uh bam um who else um who else is, is still tagging? Uh, JP, which is a um, dude who's writing Jap. Like his, he would write Jap, would be short, and then his whole tag was Japan, and mm-hmm. it would be Jap, and then he he um it was abbreviated for just a pimp, and that was like his <laughs> his uh like he dude um you know there's so many guys that really? that are still like old guys that were still still killing it you know mm-hmm. it's just it's just Philly is so hardcore when it comes to the graph. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, it's 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 a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like uh, like a lot of America, it, I feel like it's being plagued with with things becoming too popular and mm-hmm. commercialized and uh, you know, a lot of people aren't really doing culture for culture's sake. It's mm-hmm. becoming more so like how can I be famous? Right, right. Doing something versus right. You know, when I started DJing at 11, it it was just because like the older guys was doing it. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. You know, it wasn't about money. It was just about doing this. And I never wanted to be a professional DJ. That was never my my thing. Like Mm -hmm. I worked a day job since 1990. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I started working for BMW in 2002. And the whole time, you know, I'm DJing. I'm making beats. I'm involved in hip hop. And. 2012, the company was being sold to a corporate company because it used to be family owned. And in 2012, my manager said, Hey, you know, when the new owners come in, I can't just let you fly around the world and just go whenever you want to go. You either have to be here or I can lay you off from work. And this was this was March. I had already had a tour set up in Japan for a month in April, trying to figure out how was I going to go on tour still working? So I was like, oh, I guess I can't be here. You know, you'll just have to lay me off from work. And it was the best thing I ever did in life because I had already had gigs booked from April to October. Mm -hmm. So that was like the best thing that could ever happen. So I never wanted to become a professional DJ. I just, I did it. I was professional, but I always had a day job. Yeah, yeah. But it just worked out yeah it worked out i i think i think
1: it was you i just remember maybe it was like a status update or whatever this kind of thing some social media thing and you were just kind of talking about this sort of thing like you know you're a dj but like you don't need this you don't need this as like it's not your job you know you have something else you can you can leave it behind and go do something else and you'll be fine like yeah yeah. That was
2: actually yeah. my stats. Like, because my thing is, I talk to so many DJs, and and they're like, "I'm never getting a day job. I'm I'm never getting." Gonna... Yeah, no one wants a day job. But if I if DJing ended today and I had to go back and get a day job, not a problem. Yeah, I'll go back and get a day job. You know, because DJing didn't DJing and hip hop didn't buy me a house. Going to work every day bought me a house. Mm-hmm. Now DJing just maintains my house, right? So yeah, yeah. so I have no attachment. If I have to go back and get a day job to sustain my house because DJing is not working, I have no problem going back because I'm still going to always do music every day.
1: Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's like, I don't know, that's like the pure thing. You're just doing it because you want to do it. You know, it's not tied to any... Right paycheck it's nice that you do get that sometimes but that's like to me that's really like really doing it for the love
2: you know it's it's for the love it's yeah. it's for the love and sometimes that term for the love yeah yeah it's used the wrong way you yeah. know because people want you to work for free yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. it's like it's not about working for free you know it's about like understanding that like i don't have this attachment and mm. i really love what i do yes, I want to make a living from it, but if I'm not making a living from it, I'm still going to do it every day. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people don't understand that Oh, I'm not making money from it. I'm not, but do you love this? Because if you Mm -hmm. love this, then it should be no question about why you're doing it because you actually love this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, like you said, these days, I don't know, breaking, especially breaking in recent the recent year or whatever like it's really started to become this bigger thing and becoming more commercial and like i don't know there's pros and cons to -hmm. that kind of thing but you know it's like you said like if that if the olympics disappeared if competitions disappeared it's like would you still be doing it would you still enjoy dancing like why are you dancing it's something that me personally like i've thought about a lot more especially as you get older maybe it's something that b-boys and b-girls have to deal with maybe sooner because it's like your body starts to kind of deteriorate right
2: yeah you know and it's crazy because i always equate breaking to the skateboard scene right Mm -hmm. both were youth driven Mm -hmm. cultures from the 70s breaking stopped here skateboarding skyrocketed mm-hmm. they've been doing competitions sponsor competitions underground competitions since the 70s they went commercial but still kept grounded they made their money but if you but a skater is a skater to the end of time no matter how much money they make they're still going to the skate park they're still they're still waking up in the morning jumping on their skateboard, riding down the street to get their cup of coffee. Right. So it's, it's competition or no competition. They're still doing it every day. They're still right. Because it's who they are. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel a lot of B boys and B girls, they didn't get into it for the culture. They got into it because it looked cool and they see a bunch of people involved and then they do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they get good at it, but they're not waking up in the morning and, going outside and breaking outside like it's it's, they're going to the practice spot at night like it's just it's just something so different about the skate scene because they that's what they really do they get up and they go skate at the park and then they go get their coffee you know it's it's them you know and they made money the skate scene there's so much money in the skate world but they also control their industry dancers don't control their industry You know, someone else controls their industry because a skater can have his own company because he's got a skate brand. He's got a signature skate deck. He's got a signature clothing line. You know, he might be sponsored by a major company, but that major company is really funding money into that person. Mm. Right. With breaking. What do B-Boys and B-Girls have to sell? Nothing. Unless you start a clothing brand, Mm. you really have nothing to sell. Yeah right. And like skateboards, like they could they have a whole industry built around them. You know, skaters still throw skate events. You know, it's 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 so different. It's so it's so different. So I really want to know how this is going to pan out because a lot of people in the breaking road, they're they're so hoping to become professional at this <laughs> that if it ends tomorrow and the Olympics stops and they have to just go back to doing underground jams, a lot of people are gonna quit.
1: I think so, yeah. I think, you know, like you said, it comes down to where, where are their priorities, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know, maybe this is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on here is because for me personally, like the time, the times when you have come to Vancouver have been really And just like, if I saw saw you somewhere else or whatever, like outbreak or something like that, like me as a developing, I don't know, dancer, hip hop practitioner, whatever you want to call it, like you had a big impact on, on reminding me that this isn't about just like, what's the biggest move that you can do? What's the, you reminded me that there's a culture, that there's something bigger than that, that this stuff comes from like parties and connecting with people and music and, and, and all this. And, and I think, you know, you had a big impact on just the Vancouver scene and how it is today. Like uh, I've heard this a lot from other people that Vancouver scene, maybe it doesn't have the highest level, but as far as a community and people enjoying just like dancing and just, you know, just enjoying the music and and letting go. And we don't care about what you look like, what you're doing. If you're doing some spinning, flipping, whatever, we don't care. Like, are you just having fun and and letting loose and that kind of thing? Uh, And I think just me personally, like you had a big influence on that, on the Vancouver scene.
2: Yeah. Reminding people about that. I mean, culturally, I mean, every time I've gone to Vancouver, it's been an amazing experience. The vibe has been good. The people have been good. The scene's been amazing. And that's what this is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about culture and the mm-hmm. scene and the people that make up the culture in the scene, mm-hmm. you know, and when you have good people around you, it doesn't matter like the talent level. It's like, are you having fun? Do you look like you're vibing? Do you That that energy means so much to me when I'm at a jam or a party, you know, and you just look around a room and you, you feel the energy. If you can feel something that you can only see <laughs> right because you could you can't see energy you feel the energy mm-hmm. but i could see the energy in the room
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know and you, you you just get it and the, the scene in vancouver has always just been like a beautiful scene and it and and it's crazy because that doesn't exist everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't exist everywhere because a lot of places are everybody's their own individual things mm-hmm. and they come together because there's a jam but the Vancouver scene was like, no, we really rock together. Like we really, we, we enjoy this together, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, that's amazing. And and like I said, not every city has that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's weird. You would think so. But once again, I feel like that's also a lot of people don't know the reason why they do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they, they were in school and then they saw, they saw like their boyfriend's girlfriend, at a jam or something that was like, Oh, I want to do this. Or they went to college and joined the b-boy club at the college. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they didn't like, we got into this because of the music. Like, you know, I, like I wanted to DJ because of other DJs or because of the music. And then there's people that actually got into this because, you know, they might've went to a jam and then they heard the music and they were like, yo, what is this? Or they were in the hip hop. Hip hop brought them into samples. Samples brought them into making beats you know or it was always some sort of journey Mm -hmm. into it versus Mm -hmm. you know you just hung out one day and you saw somebody doing it and you wanted to to do it you there's always context to something and always a lineage Mm
0: -hmm.
2: of something Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's so important that people have to discover and understand the lineage of a culture
1: yeah 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 like uh that's that's something that if we're talking about yeah like breaking a lot of the stuff that i was taught by people like you by people like po one kenny like all these different people is like this stuff comes from comes from parties and it comes from like there's the competitive aspect to it but it it comes from like a party atmosphere of people just having fun and like just doing crazy stuff. Cause they just wanted to, not because it was going to necessarily impress anybody or whatever, but like, just cause the music made them want to do that. Or, you know, and I think about like just on a human level, like that's kind of what a lot of people want to do is they want to connect with other people. They want to share in this experience together. And like, I see it in all kinds of things like, uh, I don't know if you're a big pro wrestling fan, but I love pro wrestling. And like during the pandemic era, there was no fans and like, it was just different. And now they're starting to come back and you just, you can feel it. And like, to me, at least it makes it so much more enjoyable to have this crowd of people that are like chanting stuff. It's very free flowing and there's just saying things and the people, the wrestlers are interacting with the crowd and the crowds interacting with the wrestlers or like you know like games and stuff like that like fighting game tournaments i'm into like street fighter and stuff like that the best part of those events is the crowd and the stories that are happening and connecting with the players and connecting with the journey that they've been through and that kind of thing
2: and see and that's my point the crowd yeah audience the connection to the people and Mm -hmm. those are two prime examples pro wrestling and the and the video game competition circuit world those are those are both prime examples because you need an audience yeah right you need that audience because the energy of that audience is the same as a dj i need that audience you know mm. during the pandemic i didn't go on twitch and, and and instagram to dj because i don't want to dj in my home virtually for mm. people I read that do a mix and you can listen to it when you want to listen to it. I need to be in a room with the people to feel the energy of the people in the room.
1: Yeah. I want to, I want to get your opinion on this. Like it's trying to think of how to formulate this thought, but one of the, so one of the things that I've thought about a lot recently with, we'll just say breaking in particular, but it can apply to a lot of different things is, is this, This idea of yeah like community and and people wanting to share in this this thing together but to to get people to like share in this thing or build an audience that kind of thing like you need people to have sort of a baseline understanding of what they're even watching right and i feel like sometimes breaking or just dance in general has like become this thing that like, if you're a dancer, you're, you're like a, you're a B boy or you're a, you're a B girl, or you're a ballet dancer. You're a house dancer. You can't just be someone who dances, who enjoys moving and that kind of thing. Like it's, it's been elevated to this level where like the everyday people Have no connection with it. Whereas something with music is like, it never got to this point. Well, maybe some genres or whatever, but like in general, it's just kind of like, does it sound good? Does it make you, are you enjoying it? Okay, you can enjoy this music. Like that's it.
2: Yeah. I mean, so like there's a guy in Philly Mm -hmm. who I didn't even know who he was, but he would pop up at parties, older gentleman. He would pop up at parties with roller skates on and he would be in the party like really grooving on skates and not even skating around. He would just be in a spot dancing with skates. And I'd be like, and his name is master J. Like that's what you're talking about. Like that guy who just comes in, he's enjoying, it. he's not a B-boy. He's not a house dancer, but he can house dance. He can boogie. He Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he can do these things. And you just feel the energy. Mm-hmm. Right. But with like you said, with B-boys and and house dancers and and it's like, oh, you're a ballet dancer. You're a so-and-so dancer. Like versus, yeah, I'm just grooving. I'm a dancer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I go to the parties. It's everything has become a showcase Mm
0: -hmm.
2: right now. Yeah. Right. Versus just like I'm in a party and I'm vibing right now. This music is amazing. This DJ is amazing. The people in the room are amazing and I'm just vibing. Mm -hmm. That's what I miss. Mm -hmm. You know. And you still get that, like in the funk soul scenes, you still get that Mm -hmm. because there's people that's coming in because they want that music and they're going to have a beer and they're going to dance and they're going to, they're going to dance from, from 10 at night to five in the morning because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. And yes, they're doing Northern soul dances. They're doing like, you know, they're doing dances, but they're not specialized dancers. They're coming in and they're just coming in to enjoy the music and dance. Mm -hmm you know and once we once things became so like showcasing and highlighting what type of dancer you are i think it it lost some of its element because now it's just like yeah you're a one trick pony that's what you do mm-hmm. right versus like yo just come into the party and just groove if you want to mm-hmm. break go ahead throw down if you want to top go ahead th- 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 like but be one with the music be one with the energy in the room mm-hmm you know, that's, that's so important. And like you said, it's just too much focus has been placed on certain things versus, you know, the reason why you're in this room is because of this music, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's the same way with, when I hear a band, when I hear a live band, like, you know, root soul in Tokyo, you know, just different, different bands um, QASB and from Tokyo, like, like when I see these, these bands perform, I'm like, Yo, they're killing it! Like, you know, they're rocking the drums and the and the singers always on point. When I see these people, I'm like, see you, you, you're feeling this. You're feeling this funk soul because I hear it in your music. I hear, I hear your soul in your music when you're playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's so. It's it's all about that foundation of where did this come from. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so important. It, you can tell who really, really understands it, and who's just duplicating it right yeah you can you can tell you know there's a difference and you can duplicate it so well but i can see in your emotions and your feelings that you're not really really understanding it's like you're not really feeling you just copied it really well Mm -hmm. you know and it's the same way with dancers when i see someone who's top rocking and i'm like oh man yeah this person feels the soul Mm -hmm. he's not just going through motions he's feeling the soul you know and i love like anija is one person that I always when i go to japan <laughs> yeah when anija tops him, when he breaks i'm like he he I, he's feeling he's not doing a bunch of moves he's feeling it mm-hmm. and then you look and you're like oh and you dj too like you feel the connection between the music yeah, yeah. and the culture and the dance mm-hmm. you feel his rhythm you feel what he's doing and you're like okay yeah he's got soul
1: yeah do you think i think you i uh, you've mentioned this in the past and like other people have mentioned this too but just when it comes to say for example like hip-hop in the back in the day it wasn't just like you were a you were a dancer or you were a graffiti writer or you were a mc it's kind of like people dabbled in all kinds of things and even if they weren't maybe that great they still they still were had like a dip the toe in there and dip, you know, that kind of thing. And do you think, does that still exist? Are, are people still dabbling or?
2: Um, not on the same scale that it once was. There are still people who are, who are dabbling, but it's definitely, it's just not on the same scale as what it once was. Because people are so focused on trying to be so good at one thing that they eat, sleep, and drink that one thing to the point where you have to understand it's other things that can actually help or inspire or influence mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. And case yeah. in point, if you look at breaking, all of, everybody was a, was a writer some way in the 70s, 80s. Like all, all, all kids, you broke, you know, you were a DJ, but you also had a tag, right? You, you also could, could write. But when you look at the foundation of breaking, you're like, yeah, those, those guys, they were obviously watching kung fu flicks mm-hmm. because kung fu flicks are very prevalent in their moves, right? So their inspirations was karate flicks, kung fu flicks. So they watched these on Saturday mornings, Saturday afternoons. That was inspiration. So the same way they move is the same way you could see how someone has a tag and they're tagging because you see the flow and mm-hmm. how they're writing their tags in their pants, <clears throat> right? All yeah. of those things inspire. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's DJing now. Well, it's, he should be able to DJ because look, he knows his music, he he has rhythm. That's the next logical step is to DJ or make beats or produce or whatever. It's the next logical step, you know? Like I DJ, and I, and I've said this multiple times, when I DJ, I used to look at why not and be like, I want to DJ, like why not breaks? Because the way he breaks is so like fluent that I'm like, yo, I need to play these funk soul records, like how he breaks. Right. And it's those inspirations. Those are the things that's supposed to inspire what yeah, you okay. do. You know, every time I go to Japan, I come back super excited and super inspired because I'm some of my favorite DJs are from Japan. Mm -hmm. The vibe is good. The people are good. When I go to the parties, I'm like, this is how black parties in America used to be. Mm -hmm. When I go to Japan, I'm like, see how they're rocking to the music And and they get it and they understand it and they know the music and the DJs know the music. The crowd knows the music. I'm like, this is what it used to be here in the States on that level. You know, so like, yeah, you're supposed to, you're supposed to dabble in in different things to inspire your full creativity. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And you don't have to be the best at those things, but things are supposed to inspire what you do. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You know, if you're a photographer, what's inspiring you? You're supposed to go out and you'd be like, oh man, that's a really beautiful door. Let me take a picture of this door because the door is beautiful. That's your inspiration.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, look at this flower. Look at this crack in the wall. I see this differently. Let me take a photo of this. Just, things are supposed to inspire. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing, if you're doing photography, the next logical step should be videography and like, oh, I need to shoot a documentary because I already know my subject and how to shoot my subject. Let me film my subject. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yeah. I, but that also comes back with knowing the foundations of things and, and, and just really being like, okay, I, I get it, mm-hmm. you know? So Yeah.
1: Yeah. So speaking of dabbling,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> there's
1: another thing that I really wanted to talk to you about is uh, and you kind of mentioned it earlier on that you mm-hmm. yourself, you you got your hands into all kinds of different things that are not even necessarily directly related to to DJing or hip-hop or anything like that. Although there's yeah, there's there's always connections everywhere, but um what were the yeah. So, what are you, what are you the things that you're you've got your hands into these days?
2: Um. So, DJing wise, I'm putting out like these forty fives. These edit forty fives are like rare records that I'm like doing digging for and doing edits. um I'm actually trying to do a book right now, oh. a Nostalgia King book of just all my like my collection, my collection of toys, my collection of just vintage items. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, vintage movie posters, like Kung Fu posters, black exploitation. So I'm working on a book now. Mm I'm just like my collection, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, that's important to me because once again, it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my image. Just one of the things that people know me for, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm connecting the dots on that right there. And um, I I still, for a while I was shooting like a burger series. I've got like five episodes of of a burger series. Where I'm actually like, you know, at restaurants and talking about burgers and, you know, so working on like that's a time consuming thing, you know, mm-hmm. trying to do any like a 15 minute show of like a burger conversation. It's like it's difficult. So been mm-hmm. trying to do that. But then I also just want to connect it now into a ramen series <laughs> like. there's so so many things that I'm working on and trying to do and trying to put the pieces together and get somebody to film it and -hmm. do all these things. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. It's, it all comes back to music, art, culture and lifestyle. Yeah. You know, just things that I'm in, it all comes Mm -hmm. back to those things. And, you know, if time was, was not, not a thing. And if money was not a thing, Oh, I would, I would have these things done. You know, in no time there Mm -hmm. would be like, I would eat, sleep and drink what i'm doing yeah yeah you know so but time and money are always the two factors that come into play where it's like oh, I, okay i gotta do this today so i can't do that today and mm-hmm. you know but like but uh, i'm young <laughs> you know i've got time i'm gonna i'm gonna all pull it together but like i think the next project that i'm really focusing on is um the nostalgia king book mm-hmm. um, and it's funny because so to backtrack a little bit last uh last year time has just escaped me last year yeah so last year was supposed to be the 10-year anniversary of my magmatashi returns to japan tour oh okay right so it would have been cherry blossom season it would have been sort of in march april last nice. year and i was doing a magmatashi returns 10-year anniversary book for the japan tour And it would have just been all photos of all the parties, all the people, the food, the sites. So since we couldn't do it last year, and I started working on a book, but then I realized it wasn't gonna happen. So I kind of stopped working on the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I thought we were gonna happen this year. And I was like, okay, I can still do the book. And then of course, pandemic still rolling. So I couldn't, no Japan travel in the March, April. And so I'm hoping next year things will be perfect and I could do the book. So that's, that's a big thing because I want to show the people of Japan, like, yo, I really appreciate these 10 years of consistent tours, Mm -hmm. doing these parties and Mm -hmm. do this, this, this book, you know, Mm just, this, this, this memory log of like amazing people and amazing sites and amazing foods, you know? So that's, that's really what I need to focus on is getting that because when the doors open, I do want to just be able to just run to Japan and just, you know, make it happen. So hopefully, yeah. my goal, hopefully, really to spend my fiftieth 50th and fiftieth 50th birthday in Japan in October. So I'm hoping the doors will be open, but yeah. I don't know. It seems so soon, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Japan, Japan's uh, their way of dealing with the
2: pandemic is I don't know. It's yeah. I've yeah, I, I, I've heard. I've been staying up on it. I've yeah, I've been yeah. staying up on it and. Yeah. Even like with the, the Olympics and at first I thought, you know, okay, you're keeping the door, the borders closed just because the Olympics here and you don't want the flood of people. And mm-hmm. hopefully after the Olympics is done, you'll be like, okay, cool. Now we won't have that influx of people trying to come in, but like the stories I'm hearing, I'm like, yeah, it's not being dealt with properly. Like just the vaccinations and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, we were kind of talking a little bit about this, like, when you when you live here i don't know if this how much this plays into it but japan like has a bit of an issue with like agility and being able to yeah. like you know there's a big issue that needs to something needs to radically change and they're just they, not so great not so quick with adapting right and a lot of bureaucracy and things like that and, yeah but hey, no place is perfect right
2: No place, and that's the thing, no place is perfect and every situation is different because I look at a lot of countries, a lot of countries didn't deal with the pandemic in a a, proper fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was resources, whether it was was manpower, Mm -hmm. you know, finances, whatever, a lot of countries didn't. Look at Italy, the first first place to really get hit was Italy, Mm -hmm. you know, and Milan, and they're still dealing with it. They still haven't like vaccinated their people. And Mm -hmm. they were the first place to really get hit with it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You know, in Europe. So like it's it's yeah. I mean, I just for me, I miss Japan so much Mm -hmm. that I'm just like, oh man, I didn't go in 2020. There's a chance I might not go in 2021. Like, is it gonna be three years before I go? It's it's
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
2: and I was actually supposed to be in Japan when the pandemic was kicking off. My tour was scheduled mid-march and i still had my flights i still had i didn't cancel anything mm. and i still had my flights and one by one my my first my first date was like late march and one by one my gig started canceling and i was like "Oh, uh, i guess this is the sign i'm not going to japan yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah
0: yeah
1: I think everyone's in in a very similar boat of just kind of like waiting for this thing to at least get to some point where it's manageable and things can have some sense of quote unquote, normal, normal, right. sea, normalness. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so just kind of coming back to a bit of like your, collecting and this kind of thing I was just kind of curious like how how did you get into that kind of just collecting in general
2: um it's something that I always did it it Mm -hmm. was like as a kid I never threw away anything I just always kept like Mm -hmm. toys and you know whatever I just I never threw away my parents never threw anything away and I just always had and it was always something that You know, if I got my my turntables and everything set up, you know, there might be that one toy that's sitting up there that I had as as a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. So I never really set out to be a collector. It was just something I amassed a collection of things. And then. When I became focused and concentrated on like, oh, man, I got a collection of things. I started connecting the dots and be like, what did I have that I don't have anymore? Yeah. You know what? what don't I have that I really wanted back as a kid or a mm-hmm. teen years and I didn't have, so let me go buy it now because I have the resources to buy it now. Yeah, 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 It was just something that's, it's just, it's all, I've always been this person of collecting because as a DJ, that's what we are. We, we yeah. collect records, you know? And so it started collecting things started with comic books as a kid in the seventies, you know? So I think the first collecting, collecting thing was probably comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, because I always had toys, but comic books was what I was going to go buy on Saturday mornings. So that's what became the collection, mm-hmm. you know. So I'd say the comic book thing is what started the whole collecting thing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just here, here we are. Fast forward. And it's like, oh, I have a collection of all of the things that I enjoyed as a youth that keep me youthful to the to this day, you know. Mm-hmm from like all of the Kung Fu movie posters, like I didn't have the movie posters as a kid, but I saw all those movies, mm-hmm. you know, whether on TV or whether in the theater. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, now I can find those movie posters. I know collectors, I know, you know, people who are sitting on warehouse full of posters. So it's now I can be like, oh, let me go and see, see this guy and buy what I need to buy to add to the collection. So yeah, it's just something, you know, it's just something that's always been me mm-hmm. and, you know, people are like, oh, how did you get this? And the crazy thing is everything that I've that I own, I bought before the collector madness of everything. Everybody being like, I want to collect. And now prices are skyrocketing. And through oh, the roof, yeah. You know, everything yeah, <laughs> like yeah, everything yeah. is just is is skyrocket through the roof. And I'm like, you know what? This is what happens when you're really into something before everyone else is into something Mm -hmm. because it's a part of who you are while everyone is paying like top dollar for everything that you bought for pennies, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I've always been that way. Same thing with with sneakers, like how sneaker collecting is like so big and like, Mm -hmm. you know, people are spending all this money on sneakers. But I'm like, for me as a kid or for me growing up, I'm like sneakers and fresh sneakers, that was just like street culture. That was... Yeah, we wanted fresh sneakers. That's what we did. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a
1: thing, right? Like,
2: it wasn't a thing.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, and then I started seeing like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, they started doing sneakerology 101 classes in colleges. And I'm like, why? Like someone's getting paid to do a sneakerology 101 class to tell these students about sneakers. Like sneakers is just something that we did. And we wore fresh in the hood. Like that's what it was. Mm-hmm. You know? It, that's all it was. So like, I don't look at like the whole sneaker collect. I'm like, ah, eh, whatever. Like none of them, most of them are ugly sneakers anyway. Yeah. You know, but because you're limited, it wasn't about that. It was about wearing fresh sneakers, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just so weird how everything becomes pop culture and then blows up and then the masses gets hip to it. And then now they want to start collecting it and it drives the prices up on things that they weren't even into mm-hmm. before.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's, it's, it's really weird, but that's why I love, japan so much because there's very otaku
1: <laughs> yeah
2: you know people get
1: really into stuff
2: and and i love that about the japanese because if they're into one thing they're into that thing yeah, yeah, yeah. really well it's yeah. funny because DJ, DJ T told me years ago mm-hmm. he said uh he was like scheme he's like you you collect everything he's like man but you know here if someone collects paper clips they have a <laughs> paperclip collection you know what (laughs) i'm saying like and i'm like that's true that's true
1: there was a guy because like there's some tv show uh where they have kind of like they feature an otaku about some certain thing and like one guy was an instant ramen like connoisseur and he was like he has this whole collection of like all the different uh rappers for different like i don't know going back year decades and decades and decades and like this guy, I think even has his own shop now that he opened up. That's like a see? instant ramen specialty shop. See, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, and that, yeah. but see, and that only happens in Japan. In Japan, that's why mm-hmm. I love Japan because
0: mm-hmm.
2: the Japanese will take their passion of a collection mm-hmm. and then open up a store
0: mm-hmm.
2: or write a book yeah. or a magazine. Yeah, that only happens in Japan. No yeah. one else does that. Like, there's not like in America. Someone, I mean on that level like someone will be a sneaker collector and then they'll do a sneaker book because someone funded your sneaker book you know Mm -hmm. but it's more so out of money yeah but in japan it's like yeah i i have a collection especially with records like the record bars in japan or like i know so many people have opened up stores that house their collection just because they can't house it at home (laughs) yeah yeah you know, that's it's a lot. Of those. A, lot of, it's a lot of people. It's like you know what? I'm going to open up a business because I have too much of this stuff and I can't store it at home. So mm-hmm. why not open up a business? It might not, the business might not even be connected to the collection, but their collection will be in the store. Yeah, yeah. It's the decor of the store.
1: Yeah. A lot of times they're they're just bars because that's just you know part of the culture. Everyone likes exactly. drinking or as part of the, whatever. And yeah, you'll see that a lot in a lot of the Japanese bars izakayas whatever or even kind of like not necessarily bar bar but like yeah like music yeah. bars kind of thing music
2: bars yeah the music
1: bars you'll see yeah. all kinds of collections
2: yeah there's one guy in tokyo uh um who runs a um who has a, a, a music bar called jbs it's in oh i've been there jbs yeah I think it's the Ko- same one yeah kobayashi-san mr Ko- kobayashi-san Mm-hmm. Like his record collection of nineties hip hop, jazz, and blues, ridiculous. Mm. Like ridiculous. I don't know how big his house is, but like I'm sure he can't house all that, all those records yeah. in his house. So you have a music bar. Yeah.
0: Like yeah. you
2: connect yeah. these things. And it's once again, like I said, that connection, you know, you took your passion of music and was like, oh, I gotta store this somewhere. I'll open up a bar. And I love mm-hmm. that about Japan. That's if I could move to Japan and do those same things, I would do that.
1: You probably can. <laughs> I think the, the hard part would just be like, okay, how do you end up? How do you stay in, in Japan? like?
2: Long I know. Long-term. Right. That's, that's yeah. the hard part. How do I stay yeah. there? Yeah, You know, but so, I, mean, uh,
1: yeah.
2: I would love that. Like I, I would have to get somebody to sponsor me and be like, Hey, you know,
1: it can happen. Yeah. yeah but uh, like uh just going back to japan like um that's one of the things that when i moved here and i got a little got to know the culture a little deeper like i'm kind of like you i like to dabble i'm interested in a lot of different things but for me personally like the issue with that was like i never went really deep into any one thing it was just kind of like yeah kind of all over the place and and it's cool because you get to see the connections and things like that between the different things but when i moved to japan that was one thing that really i don't know had a big impact on me that you saw people that got so deep into this one thing like you said collecting paper clips or like you know they they collect like shoelaces or i don't know whatever it is like yeah some random <laughs> thing and But they just get into really into or like, you know, people who still make like samurai swords, but they're like there's a long lineage and maybe there's like only, I don't know, 10 people who do it in the country or something like that. But like they even though it's completely irrelevant now, like they're still into it and they're still like 100 percent dedicated to it or whatever.
2: Yeah, there was a documentary I saw a few years back on like The last sword makers. Right. Like, there was a document, I forgot what it was called, but like, this guy, he was making the Kyoto sword. I think it was a Kyoto Mm -hmm. sword. And he was like the last of the original guys. And he had an apprentice who was a young guy who he was really trying to train to make this sword properly. Like, so like, that's a prime example, like Mm -hmm. carrying on that lineage. Mm -hmm. Of something that's totally irrelevant now, mm-hmm. but they're so deep into it and living that each sleeping and drinking that mm-hmm. that they become master sword makers.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: so so crazy. But that's that passion that the Japanese have yeah. for something. Yeah, you know, it's almost like in in China with l- like the neon sign makers. Like right. th- that's a dying thing. They're not doing the neon. Mm-hmm. signs like they were doing in the 60s 70s mm-hmm. like the with the blow-up glasses like they're not doing that anymore. now everything mm-hmm. is kind of like generic like uh you know signs or whatever or like mm-hmm. w- w- fluorescent signs right right but before it was the like the neon mm-hmm. signs like that's a di- and there's a documentary on that as well um that i saw recently about like the last guys that are making the neon signs like it's so crazy like those crafts there's, there's still a love for it, but there's not many people practicing it to still create it, you know?
1: Yeah. And, like, uh, we were talking a little bit about this, but just Japan's, like, slow-to-change kind of things or adopt new things. And that's, that's one thing that I thought about, too, that, you know, is a, kind of a big contrast with, in particular, say, like, North America and maybe especially America – that America is very, we have like a kind of conservative thinking in Japan where it's slow to change, you know, well, this is working, just keep doing this kind of thing. And we don't change unless we really need to. Whereas America is like kind of the polar opposite where it's like, what's the new thing? Let's innovate, let's do this, let's try this, let's put these things together. What happens like all these kind of crazy things and, and like, you know, pros and cons to everything there like you get all you find all these new things if you innovate and all this stuff but and again this is something that i kind of realized that is missing maybe from my experience with vancouver they're always like tearing down houses there's no history yep in vancouver with like houses and this is a particular aesthetic of this yep. neighborhood or whatever whereas japan is like they'll just keep building there's a strong sense of like tradition Mm
0: -hmm. sometimes
1: it's to a fault, but like, you know, I think there's a healthy amount that you can have of like respecting the tradition and, uh, and not necessarily being so focused on what's the next thing. What's the new thing. It's like, this is good. Let's keep doing this. That kind of thing.
2: But I feel the same way. It's the gift and the curse, but I feel the same way Mm -hmm. where, The slow, uh, the slow to adapting to things. It's like, yeah, if it works, let's let's just keep running with it because yeah. it, people are still working. You're still keeping jobs, you know, and there's still yeah. that money blowing. Like, I feel when you're trying to innovate so much, people lose jobs because now you're bringing technology into things. And it's like, oh, we don't have to hire this many people because we've innovated so much that it kind of runs with ten people instead of ten thousand people and. You know, and so I applaud Japan on that with trying to uphold tradition, because like you said, like Vancouver, they're knocking down buildings to put up new condos and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And it's the same in Philly. Like there's still the traditional homes There's still, but I see like, as things are falling down, they're just building something that looks totally the opposite Mm -hmm. of what it should. Like if there's a, a neighborhood that looks a certain way, they're coming in and they're building something that looks like leftover materials from Europe, like that they did, that they discarded and didn't want like the architectures. They like sent this metal and steel and like, Hey, we'll make something out of this, you know? So there's no connection. So yeah, it's the gift and the curse. Um, So I applaud Japan and wanting to keep traditions, but then there's certain times you have to realize like, okay, yeah, there's a better way of doing this. And if we do it this way, that's not gonna die. But this is just making things a little bit easier and producing it quicker or better or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Japanese are still always like hands-on with things. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why you still have people that's creating swords. You have people that's creating certain things that are just so irrelevant because the Japanese are very Mm hands-on people, Mm -hmm. you know. And and I applaud that. But, But like you said, there's some things that just need to change. To get up to 2021 (laughs) you know
1: yeah yeah it's all it's all this like i guess delicate balance balancing act of how much change do you put in like i don't know i always think of this like from a sort of evolutionary standpoint like if there's no reason to change you don't have to change right just stay Mm -hmm. the course right but in the event that you have something like say a pandemic if you've been innovating and trying different things then and you give yourself or your country or your culture or whatever different avenues to survive which one which one is adaptable and that'll be the one that okay well that's the way that works so right. let's change to that that kind of thing right. like that's where the i get i think that's like a human thing is to yeah. want to innovate but it's just like yeah how much do you do it
2: yeah. Okay. And that's, I mean, when you think about it, look at, look at Japan's infrastructure as far as public transportation, look at the, 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 the bullet train, the Shinkansen look like, like that's very Japanese. That's something that America hasn't been able to innovate on. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: where's our hyperloop. Like, I'm still waiting on my yeah. hyperloop.
2: Yeah. You know, like I don't even trust Americans to, to build a bullet train. Mm. I don't even, I don't even trust it. I don't want to go that, that fast with any one American driving. Like, no, I don't trust it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. we can, we can't even not crash on a, on a normal train every once in a while. Like, I don't want to go that fast.
1: Yeah. You know? And, and I think part of that too is, is coming back to that, uh, that commitment to what you're doing. Like if you spend any time in Japan, like, and you ride the trains and stuff, not even bullet trains, but just the regular trains, like you'll see a lot of times, like there's a lot of uh, like ritual, I guess, is what you could call it. Like the conductor, the, the driver or whatever, like when he's pulling out of the state, I don't know, maybe it depends on the driver and depends on the line or whatever, but I've seen drivers when they're, they're pulling out of the station and they have this very specific, motion yep. that they do and they 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 yeah. probably don't even need doesn't even look like they're doing it to anyone but it's they just tradi- they have to do it. it's a tradition and like
2: i love that yeah it's, really, it's i love cool. that yeah. you know it's like it's like when you're on the train when you're on the shinkansen and um the food cart is coming down and you know they bow before they go through the through the door yeah like, yeah it's, it's tradition yeah i always tell people japan is the last place with culture and tradition hmm. and people are always like what are you talking about their last place with culture and tradition i'm like i can still walk around tokyo and there's still sumo wrestlers walking around yeah or riding bikes yeah right there's still some town out there with ninja
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> right there's still sword makers
1: and geisha is still a thing and in is still a thing Kyoto and a
2: few other places yeah yes right and you have then if you take it a step further you look at the lowrider scene and there's still like lowriders <laughs> yeah. and cholos in 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 japan yeah. right yeah the punk scene is still very major in japan mm. right so all these all these american things that we don't even really do at that high level mm-hmm. anymore the japanese are still doing it on that high level mm-hmm so the japanese are the last people still with culture of and love of culture of their own culture and everyone else's culture and they yeah. do everyone else's culture just as good if not better yeah i
1: i think yeah it kind of, part of it is yeah that that idea of just getting into something and okay i guess this is what i do kind of thing versus the more kind of western mentality of like all right, well, I'm bored with this and like the fad's over. I guess I'll move on to something else. Exactly. And, yeah.
2: And that's what separates collectors from real collectors people that yeah. dabble in collecting versus people that like, yo, I do this. Yeah. This is what I do because I can pull out a multitude of things. It's like conversation. Is your con- like, like a B boy usually has a conversation on breaking but can you talk about anything else? (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how I look at collecting. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you might collect baseball cards, but I don't, but I know collecting so I can relate to you on collecting of baseball cards. Right. 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 It's, it's that connection. Mm -hmm. And collecting is a conversation piece. You know, the same way you said you dabble into this and this, like it's you can have a conversation with 10 different people on 10 different things because you dabble into 10 different things. That's that's knowing and that's having that foundation of like, you know, I've just everything inspires what I do. So I'm into these 10 things and mm-hmm. inspires what I do so I can hold 10 conversations on this thing. I can write one book off of these 10 things that I'm into, mm-hmm. you know, versus I'm only into one thing. And then that kind of gets boring after a while. You're in the one thing. Unless you're a serious collector of like you're Japanese and you're just like, I collect paper clips,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> or, the, or the instant ramen label guy, like, yeah, but I, I
1: think too, like, the more I think about it, the I like people will get really into something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they only do that, they're just like dedicated, they commit dedicated. to something, mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm. I might enjoy I don't know like jazz music and this kind of whatever rock yep. music and and playing games or or going to whatever drinking tea but then like I've committed to collecting these paper clips and like, yeah. I'm going to see it through. That
2: and that's the thing. thing that dedication of seeing it through. Mm-hmm. I need every thing of that. Yeah. And I'm going to find everything <laughs> if it's the last thing I do. Yeah. Because I have, you know, the, yeah the thrill is always in the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thrill. The, thrill's yeah. the like I've looked at so much stuff now that I, that I was looking for. And now there's certain things that I'm like, Oh, I can easily get it. Now I don't even chase it down because I'm like, I can easily get it now. Mm. You know? So the thrill is always in the hunt. The thrill is I can't find it. So I'm going to hunt for it. And then once I get it, I'm happy but if I start seeing certain things and I'm like, Oh, there's 10 of them out there now. Oh, I can get them when I want to get it now. It's not yeah. the thrill isn't there anymore. Cause it's, right, it's there. Right. I get it when I want to get it. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. I got a, another collector friend and he's kind of like, I got, I got into a little bit of collecting, not serious collecting, but I started like, there was these like Nintendo figures that they, they started releasing. And I was like, started buying them. Cause it's like Nintendo. Right and he was like yeah you're getting into it you're you're becoming a collector and like don't you feel that don't you get that feeling of like you you started the series and now you gotta see it through you gotta like you gotta get them all kind of thing like yeah and i was like yeah i feel it but you know my personality doesn't match well with collecting like i'm a more minimal kind of person i don't like a lot of stuff and that kind of thing
2: right Uh, yeah that's why i
1: gave up like Maybe sometime down the road, I'll, I'll get back into those specific
2: ones. Right. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like like you said, you're a minimalist. Yeah. Right? And you like certain things, but you don't need to have an abundance mm. of those things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that that makes so Because sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I got too much stuff. But when I go to organize and straighten up my area, I'm like, man, but it looks good displayed
1: yeah well that yeah. it brings value you see value in it it brings exactly. it adds something to your life right
2: right and i see a lot of people that collect and they're all in boxes in there they're put away and i'm like that's not fun like if yeah if they're not out on display <clears swipe throat> somehow then what's the point of collecting just to throw it in a box somewhere and be like oh i'll look at it every once in a while like no like yeah you know yeah totally agree so yo a, a side note so speaking on uh, collecting there's a book a friend of mine Mm-hmm. Did his name is Ma- Matt Alt? He actually mm-hmm. lives in Japan. Oh, really? And it's called Pure Invention How Japan's Pop Culture Conquered the World. The book just came out like a year mm-hmm. ago.
1: Damn,
2: nice hardback book. Yeah, he he um it tells a lot of a lot of great stories mm-hmm. on um. Like how Japan's pop culture changed the world. I mean, yeah, everything from like the like how during the war how a lot of toys were tin toys because the soldiers and 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 the American soldiers like Coca Cola cans, and then after the war it was like they just have an abundance of soda cans. What do you do with it? So that spawned the whole 10 toy thing, 10 robots, which now that stuff like 10 robots are like thousands of dollars, like vintage 1960s, 70s, like 10 wind up robots. A lot of that uh, stuff so expensive, but it tells yeah. stories like that about how like how that became a thing, you know, um, and it connects the dots to like, you know, early boom boxes that were made Mm. in Japan, Mm. you know, um, Hello Kitty, how Hello Kitty changed the world. Yeah. You know, all those things. So it's, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing book of just like stories that talks to like the inventors of a lot of people. And it's just an amazing, amazing book. So yeah, like the Japanese definitely hold it down, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. They hold it down.
1: Yeah. I think maybe that's a, a good kind of final note to end this on, not end it on, but kind of like wrap it up is, uh, you know, like history and getting in, getting into the history, finding the lineage, finding the, it's kind of coming back to what we were talking about. But like, if you're going to get into something, you got to really get into it, you know, and you can't just be, you can't go on that surface level. You got to start looking into like, Oh, who's this person? Well, who inspired them? Or who inspired them? Where did their influences come from? Where did this thing come from? Where did these toys come from? What spawned it? That kind right. of thing. And the more yeah, you get into it, there's, there's so many interesting little details that come up as you dive deeper into whatever you're interested in.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's when people say they read comic books. Like, to know the history or the origin of a character... You can't start at issue number 300. You have to go back to issue number one to find out how this guy became this guy, how he got his superpowers, how, you know, certain things and then start there. Like you can't you can't say you're in the hip hop and then start in 1995 and then go forward. No, you have Mm -hmm. to go back to 1985 Mm -hmm. to 1975 Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, how did this all come into play? So it's that lineage of the culture and it's that lineage that the Japanese do so well, Mm -hmm. you know. You have to like Quentin Tarantino is a historian of film. Yeah. You know, and he has his particular films, style of films that he loves, but his, he's a historian of film and he knows the culture and knows history of directors and films and actors. And, and that's so important. And, and for me, at the end of the day, that's what it is for me. It's all about lineage. It's all about history. It's all about culture. It's all about connecting the dots. hmm to what makes me what I am and the culture that I love so much what it is.
1: I think that's a perfect spot to kind of <laughs> end things. Great message. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So thank you so much, Scheme, for just yeah, just sharing your thoughts and you've always been a big inspiration to me personally, and I hope that everyone listening and or watching you know got something out of this and yeah
2: no thank you for having me i I really appreciate it man like when you reached out i was like oh man great like because i enjoy i honestly enjoy talking to people who just want to have a conversation Mm. on something yeah like that, that that's always fueled my traveling when i travel places i'm like i just want to talk to people like it's not even about coming here and djing and making money it's like yo, let me see who's out there, who's building, who's doing something dope out there. Cause I want to feed off that energy Mm -hmm. and have conversations with people and know what, what makes other people tick, Mm -hmm. you know? So when you reached out, I was like, Oh yeah, bet. Like, yeah, we we can, we can talk. Cause I know you've got some history and some knowledge and you are like, you know, it's just, it's just so dope to connect with good humans around the world because good humans are becoming less (laughs) and less, (laughs) you know? So it's just so good to connect with good humans on just like multiple levels, man. Cause the, the the three things that bring us together are food culture and 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 music like those are the three things that bring the world together food mm-hmm. music culture cuz we all love good food we all have our own cultures and you know music we all dance to the same beat you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. those those things connect us man
1: i would add yeah just human to human connection and maybe that comes into like culture too but
2: yeah but yeah. the human connection yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's so like important
1: yeah like uh that's a that's a big part of just why like if you if we're thinking about breaking or anything like again i've mentioned it with pro wrestling i mentioned it with games and even just like with say the advent of like streaming and stuff like that it's like people want to connect with other people they want to find this common ground and and you know with the pandemic we saw it like people were isolated and stuff like that like staying at home not seeing anybody and people went nuts
2: yeah yeah you and know? that right there when i saw when i saw people starting to lose their mind i was like okay go take a walk in a park <laughs> like like chill out like the, the the crazy thing is we have technology so we can stay connected to people in a sense there's nothing nothing beats sitting in a bar with someone and talking to them yeah yeah but imagine if we did not have technology. Imagine if we only had to email or write a letter and put it in the mail to someone. We're, be- we're better off than people. Like people were re- really losing their mind. But that also told me a couple of things. One, during the pandemic it was where people should have picked up a new hobby or read a book or got some knowledge of something mm-hmm. during it because you had more than enough time. Mm -hmm. like i did so much yet i feel like i didn't do enough because what i should have been doing was getting my japanese language up that's what i should have been doing right but i did so many other things Mm -hmm. like i feel like if people didn't read a book gain some knowledge on something become a semi-expert on something they wasted a lot of time something should have done something Mm-hmm. you know so yeah people were losing their minds <laughs> they, yeah. they were losing their mind but i'm like we have technology we could stay connected if you yeah. had to put a stamp on an envelope and write a letter to someone <laughs> imagine
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: we've got tv we've got internet we've got all this access yeah there's, there's no reason to really lose your mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Like that. But people were, yeah, people were losing it. I was like, take a walk in a park. Yeah. You know, do some Tai Chi. <laughs> relax.
1: Yeah. Well, that's like, we're now, we're, that's leading into <laughs> other territory of like, what is true connection? That's kind of stuff like
2: that. Yeah, that, that's a whole other kind of yeah, podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> maybe we, then maybe down the road, if we, if we can get you back. You know, I'm here get into that stuff. Yeah.
2: I'm here. Yeah. We can definitely connect on that. Cause that's yeah. a, that's a whole nother topic right there, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's true though. Like that's mm-hmm. true connection. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's true connection. That's understanding That's sitting back and meditating and like understanding yeah. like, okay, you know what? It'll be all right. Let me mm-hmm. take 10 minutes and let me sit here and meditate or let me do Tai Chi. Let me just mm-hmm. really release mm-hmm. any stress or problems or let just shut your brain off mm-hmm. and just cut the world out for 10 minutes yeah that's important that's that's important to your health your sanity you know so your spirituality like that's that's important
1: yeah well everyone's got their own kind of form of meditation and that's like part of the reason why this podcast got even started to begin with was i was kind of lonely in japan and i wanted to reconnect with people even if it's just like i don't know even if there's no like useful quote-unquote useful tidbits of information it's just having a connection trying to rekindle like a genuine connection with someone and that's yeah. what a good good conversation is is like just connecting with people you're not even it's like meditation but you're talking yeah. you know
2: yeah i mean and just think we haven't we haven't seen her talk to each other in, in years but we came into and it wasn't even like we were strangers
0: yeah yeah <laughs> the
2: conversation just rolled you know mm-hmm. like that's when you know it's a good conversation and good connection Mm. because you cannot see someone for years and then the conversation just rolls right into it. Mm. You know, so that's, that's important. Like that connection, man, that human connection is so, so important. So like, I thank you for having me on. I, you know, I really appreciate it because anytime I can get to, to talk to other good humans and just have conversations with them, I'm always for it. So whenever you need me, I'm here.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, thanks again for just sharing sharing your thoughts and stuff. You've you've always been a big influence and you you help shape a lot of uh the ways that I think about dance, culture, just everything. Yeah.
2: So, I appreciate it, man. I'm happy I could do that, man. I really yeah. appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh if, is there any places that if people want to follow you or find some stuff that you're doing is there any places that they can go to?
2: Yeah. Um, so you can go to my website, nostalgiaking.com. Um, I do a lot of record reviews and just like cultural things on there. Uh, my streaming app uh, nerve.fm slash scheme Richards. You can find over 140 mixes that I do. I do mixes every week, um, record reviews and, you know, daily record picks um, and Instagram scheme Richards. So those are my uh, three ways to get a hold of me and, you know, and just see what's going on in my world. And, you know, everything, it's always culturally what's going on, music, art, culture. Um, You know, it's just, it's, it's who I am. It's everything that you need to know about me in those three spots. Cool.
1: Yeah. Check it out. Um, Thanks again, Scheme. And we'll catch everybody later.
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thanks everybody for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the talk. If you like what you heard, please feel free to check out some of the older episodes and help spread the word about the podcast. If you really want to go that extra mile, please consider supporting on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash RazzyF2, R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. Even as little as a dollar goes a long way, and it means a lot to have your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.